With another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 397, aka Year 8, Week 25, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Richie Rich, uh, and another solo show. Um, not sure if MC is back for vacation yet, but either way, I'm recording a little bit early this week uh, to, you know, just because some other plans are getting in the way. So if he's back, sorry, MC. If you're not back, hopefully, I, I believe he's got to be back by next week because this feels like. A long time without my broski there. Uh, But you know what that means? We do this thing as Richie Rich reads the news because, hey, without someone to have a conversation, uh, why bother? I'm not, you know, I don't, I mean, I can do this on my own, obviously, but I don't like to. So I I struggle through it. I do what I can, uh, but it more so gets talked about what's going on in the news itself. So that being said, let's jump right into it. First headline, a pandemic amnesty, not so fast. And this, you know, this is, uh, this has been making the rounds, I guess, um, in a lot of the freedom oriented, liberty minded outlets because of an article written by some Atlantic writer, um, claiming that, you know, let's declare pandemic amnesty. Ah, you know, let's just get into it because the first paragraph mentions that already. An article written by the Atlantic writer about the idea of a type of pandemic amnesty is making waves. The article entitled Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty was written by Emily Oster, who is a contributor to the Atlantic as well as a professor at Brown University. The crux of the article is that the last couple of years have been a bit nuts And therefore, we should all forgive and forget about all the COVID-related nastiness for the sake of rebuilding relationships and trust. Oster started the article with the story about her then four-year-old son yelled, Social distancing! At a passerby that got too close for comfort during the hike in April 2020. Now, without making any judgments on Oster or her small child, I will say that my children, age seven, six, four, and three, and a newborn, do not even know the word covid Partly, this is because we have made the decision to homeschool before lockdowns began, and therefore, our children are not in any institutionalized setting where they would be told about such a thing. Also, my wife and I made the decision early on that we weren't going to bother our children with the concept they could not understand. How do you explain to children a virus as complex as communism, or I mean COVID, uh, to little minds? Our children obviously knew things had changed, but the extent of it was people are worried about getting sick and the government is being weird. We did have a close call on one day at the park, however, when a little girl almost spilled the beans about the Rona monster. She was riding her bike to the park, and my uh, my one son, who was at the time four years old, walked up to say hello, you know, like a human being, and the girl yelled, stay back, don't you know about coronavirus? You could die. I swiftly removed my children from the encounter with the little leftist, and my son asked me with his delightful little four-year-old pronunciation quirks, Daddy, what is the Bodomirus? I replied, I think she was playing pretend. It was a close call. In any case, the author of the piece then attempted to explain away the lunatic behavior she instilled in her child. These precautions were totally misguided. In April 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Our cloth masks made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything anyway. But the thing is, we didn't know. It was the last line that bugs me. We didn't know. As the Irish say, malarkey. Sure, there was unknowns about the propagandized Wuhan flu, but isn't that isn't the point. 
There are unknowns about a lot of things in life, but none of those unknowns give you the right to act like a crazy person who advocates for vaccine segregation, unemployment for the refuseniks, or locking the elderly in cages like rabid beasts so they can die on Zoom calls while a mask attendant presses end call as family members watch grandma give up the ghost. You see, it turns out that Mrs. Oster was one of those delightful people who waxed philosophical about how it would be good for the all if the lives of the unvaccinated citizens were made more difficult. The beatings will continue until morality improves. She wrote in December 2021 that family pressure should be laid on unvaccinated people, that jabs should be necessary to work, fly, and attend events. She even said that we can have these without shame. Like a typical leftist, Oster found a way not to mention her inner totalitarian in her article. Instead, she tried to focus on the fact that she was called a teacher killer because she thought students could learn in class. While I am not happy that she was called a killer, I do find it a bit rich that she would write a piece asking for amnesty and then make herself out to be a victim, given the fact that she publicly advocated for the unjabbed to be pressured by their families and lose their jobs. In her article, she also tries to make the conversation about the fact that some people just happen to be wrong and others happen to be right. And we need to just simply get over all those calls for the unvaxxed to lose their jobs, friendships, and places in society. As she said, we just didn't know. Herein lies the fundamental problem. These people don't understand that it's not about facts, it's about morality. It is simply wrong for people to publicly advocate for segregation and unemployment of a group of people because they don't want a medicine that is 15 minutes old. It is simply wrong to whip your children up into a frenzy about something you have only heard about on the mainstream news to the point where they are yelling at strangers less than two meters away. It is simply wrong to uninvite family members from Christmas because they didn't take the same medicine you did. It is simply wrong to close churches. You know those places where you go when death is near because you think death is near? It is simply wrong to close the borders for years on end to completely ruin businesses that rely on tourism. It is simply wrong to demonize every dissenting opinion in the pursuit of scientific and medical answers. Something about the scientific method requiring dissenting opinions and contrary evidence to buttress claims comes to mind. I could go on and on. <clears throat> Aside from any moral questions, we should be asking if people like this professor are even capable of critical thinking. Literally, the entire history of scientific progress shows that that is it impossible to create a vaccine in such a short amount of time without the safe, proper safety precautions and then impose the thing on zillions of people without the risk of the severe and deadly side effects. So it needs to be asked, is she asking for amnesty from acting like an Orwellian nut job or is she asking for amnesty from being idiotic? Of course, we should all forgive in a Christian sense, but amnesty is another thing. I cannot forgive a murderer, but the murderer doesn't get amnesty. Oh, excuse me, I can forgive a murderer, but the murderer doesn't get amnesty. I can forgive an idiot, which is good, because I wouldn't be able to forgive myself otherwise. But the idiot does not have amnesty from being an idiot. But these people, who want to simply move on without acknowledging that they were not just wrong, but insane, believe that being scared because the TV told you to be scared justifies behavior that you don't need to do penance for, even though like you acted like a hitler neophyte. Recently, the new premier of Alberta, who is happily becoming Canada's Christy Nome, made a public apology to the persecuted pastors, unvaccinated residents, and good people who were tarred and feathered because they didn't think that historically trustworthy big pharma giants were trustworthy. Historically untrustworthy. Big pharma giants were trustworthy. She said she was deeply sorry for what people went through, and she apologized for the government's role and said she is working to have all legal charges dropped against those who protested the tyranny. What's funny is that she wasn't even in charge during the lockdown. She is the new premier, but she apologized for something she didn't even do because it was simply wrong what was done. As an aside, I do think that a certain amnesty is warranted, the legal amnesty for anti-lockdown heroes that are being sought in Alberta. However, all this talk of amnesty by the leftists who said you were going to kill the human race if you steamed without a sock over your mouth is bunk. If you want anything approaching amnesty, then maybe start with an apology. Here's a template. I'm sorry for doing my best Bolshevik audition, and I promise to never label you a right-wing extremist, virus-denying, covid grandma-killing, anti-vaxxer again. And for all those articles I published that have now completely been proven false, and all those policies I supported that ensured your life was ruined and you lost your business, well, I am sorry for that too. 
Oh, and while we're at it, I probably shouldn't have championed the movement to have you treated like a second-class citizen because you justifiably decided to opt out of a medication that hasn't even finished the normal trial phase. My bad. End of the article. Woo! Fired up on that one. Um, and here's my take. Fuck them, right? They, not, they get no amnesty for me. I accept no apologies. I don't want them anywhere near my life again because they have a proven track record of untrustworthiness, right? If you're a, if you're a constitutionalist in any respect whatsoever, I don't, I, I, and again, I'm not, I don't care, right? Third Amendment applies. You shall get no quarter from me. I don't want you anywhere near me. I don't want you anywhere near the people I care about. If you participated in this nonsense, you are as good as dead to me for all intents and purposes. It goes back. It, it ties a little bit into my, uh, what I, what I call uh, flexible morality in which I am okay using your moral code uh, if it suits me. And so people will explain that. And go, well, if you're, if you're okay with stealing from me, right, then it behooves me to put an end to that before it happens because you're already okay with it. So under your own code, theft is okay. I will steal everything from you. Perfectly fine. As long as you're okay with it, but you are because it's in your moral code. Oh, you think, you think murder is okay? Well, then good. Then, just, you know, you shall be the first to be killed. Because you are already a threat to everybody else. If, you, if you're going to justify that sort of behavior, you are already a threat. And if you are an NAP-loving, non-aggression axiom-preaching, libertarian, anarchist, anarcho-capitalist, what have you, uh, then just declare that to be some sort of valid self-defense, right? The threat is real. The threat has been declared. And you need not wait for it to come to fruition before you take action. Right. Uh, this ties into, again, what I've said before, uh, before the first punch is thrown, you may find yourself in a fight. And if you find yourself in a fight before the first punch is thrown, by all means, take that advantage and throw the goddamn first punch. You ought need you ought not need to get hit before you can start fighting back. Right. Unless you're really prepared to take that punch, you could find yourself at a severe disadvantage in a physical confrontation if you wait to get hit before you start fighting back. And the same hold true up the ladder, right? If, it's, if someone says like, ah, man, I, I think it's okay to murder you and I could be the one to murder you, right? You don't have to wait for them to attempt it. They're already a threat. Take them out. The threat is real. They've declared it to be so. And so all these COVID people, all these pro-lockdown, pro-mask, pro-whatever, you know, believe in the science, all this nonsense, they're already commoditized threat to freedom-loving individuals. And they shall be given no quarter by me. No forgiveness, no amnesty, nada, zip, zilch, if they come anywhere near me, by their own moral code, stay the fuck away. Six feet at least. I don't need you in my space. I don't need you in my life, right? If that's if you're prone to that sort of behavior, of something as uh, as ineffective as the COVID vaccines have been, right? Then where are you going to? Where are you? Which side are you going to be on when the shit actually hit the fan and stuff actually gets real, right? You will be on. You will be my enemy again. And so I don't want to take you back in. I don't want to give you space. I don't want to give you quarter. I don't want to be anywhere near you. And there's, you know, their friends were lost along the way. And I'm okay with that. Those are not friends that I want to keep long term. Those are not friends that I want to have by my side when shit gets real. Right? They have not demonstrated the ability, the willingness, or the desire to do what is necessary or do what is right when facing that sort of conflict or pandemic or whatever it is, you know, whatever it is coming around the table, right? That is not the type of people you want to hit your wagon to. They will run. They will run scared. They will run to the government and they will turn on you again. It didn't take much for them to turn on you the first time. 
Why the hell would you give them a second chance? Fuck them. Fuck them. Let them burn. Let them get their myocarditis and die of uncertain causes and adult, you know, sudden adult death syndrome. Don't even fucking get me started on that. I haven't even, that, that phrase is new to me. I've been on the planet for 40 years. I've heard of sudden infant death syndrome, but never have I heard of sudden adult death syndrome until 2022. Where the fuck did that come from? You know where it came from. They made it up because they can't call it uh, vaccine caused. They can't say this is linked to the thing that they tried to force upon everyone for the better part of two years and then recanted, right? This whole, this whole thing is because the, 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 the narrative has changed, right? You, you hear it in other shows and other podcasts, especially those that are left-leaning in some form or fashion. They went from hardcore, locked down, wear your mask. Everyone should be masked up everywhere you go. Don't let them in, you know, all that nonsense to, well, I, th- I think we're just kind of over it. And then, you know, maybe, maybe it didn't work and maybe the science changed. And now we have new information. And so we're going by the new information. No, fuck you. Stay away. Right. I'm glad you figured it out. I don't care that you figured it out too late. You had your chance. You squandered it. We told you from the beginning. How, how many conversations did I have early on uh, on social media? Uh, not stuff that I posted, but stuff that other people posted, where by their own metrices, metrices they were wrong. Right? Like the, the, the biggest one that sticks out in my mind is some fucking asshole actor you know, from some shit TV show came out and was like, oh, no, you guys got to wear the mask and blah, 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 blah. And the mask he was demonstrating in the video was fucking a vented mask, right? And the science at that time said not to use the vented masks, right? You could find articles saying like, don't use the vented mask because when you exhale, the fucking virus comes out of the vents and blah, 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 blah. And that was the one he was demonstrating. And people were posting and sharing that far and wide going, look, 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 the celebrity says you got to wear the mask. I'm like, yeah, but he's not even wearing the right fucking mask. So why would you believe him? Right. Think about it. Think about it for yourself. And then fuck blocked, deleted, you know, unfriended, whatever. And you want me, you want me to, to, to give amnesty for that, that nonsense behavior that lack of dialogue, that lack of critical thinking, that lack of rational reasoning, you want me to just bend over and go like, okay, fucking mulligan, we're all good now. No, because you unfriended me. You walked away from me. I was willing to come around, right? I was willing to do things as normal. At work, I held it down. I was, uh, my the, the job that I had closed down for like half of a day, and then I said like, if there's going to be one place that doesn't change, it is going to be this location as long as you let me run it, right? You you can put up your fucking plexiglass, but don't put it in front of my desk. I'm not going to put a barrier between myself and my customers, right? That's the kind of attitude that I took. So for a year and a half, two years, I sat to the right of the plexiglass. And if they had put it up in front of me, I would have sat someplace else until they fired me. Moved on to a different job for a different reason, but still, right? I'm not... I ain't having any of that. I wasn't playing those games. Everything was going to be normal. Uh, and again, you know, I've, I'm, I'm on record of saying this, get it and spread it and let the gods sort them out, right? I was not afraid. My friends were not afraid. We all got the virus. Well, most of us, some of us, I don't know, you know, I can't say all, but most of us in the close circle of people that I had got it. Some of us multiple times. And you know what? It was easier the second time than it was the first time because of natural immunities and built-up tolerances and, you know, generally weakening viruses. It mutates and morphs and converts to whatever the fuck it is now. Uh, But we weren't afraid. We went out. We sat together. We ate together. Those of us that drank, they drank together, right? We went out and did things as a group, as a community. We had the parties. We did the things, right? Unafraid, unabashedly unafraid, and vocal about what we were doing. And at any point in time, you, the others, right? The pro-vax, the pro-lockdown, the stay away from me, you know, the, the, the old bitch that harassed me at the post office, 
right? You could have joined us at any time. And now that you're ready to join us, right? You want us to welcome you back. All is forgiven. Amnesty is granted. But you get none of that from me. No amnesty. No forgiveness. Hell, how about this, right? Instead of just saying, oh, let's go back to the way things were, and I'm sorry, right? An apology isn't even good enough for me, right? Take some responsibility. Pay back what you have taken from those you you persecuted, right? How about, how about some restitutions for everyone who lost their job, couldn't go to work, couldn't hang out with family, all that nonsense. How about you pay them back for that? right? Give them back somehow in some form. I don't even know how you would calculate that, right? All the time that they couldn't go to church, they couldn't go to work, they couldn't go here, they couldn't go there, that they were, they were harassed and, and, and again, persecuted out in public for standing up for their beliefs, which have then since been proven correct. How about some restitution for those people? How about they get their jobs back with back pay? Like I was hearing coming out of New York, right? How about you how about you put a little bit of money in their collection plate for their church or for their organization or for their nonprofit whatever it happens to be. You know, how about you take some responsibility? How about not just an apology but a make good? Make a, make us whole again for what you tried to take from some of us and what you did take from the others, right? How about that? How about if you were forced to take the vaccine against your will, right? And you somehow perish early because of that. How about those responsible? Take some responsibility and make your family good, whole again, right? Make, 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 your, uh, make your progeny whole again, right? Mommy or daddy was taken for whatever goddamn reason bullshit this was, right? We're going to pay into that. We're going to make it right for you. Well, we'll make it better for you. We can't make it right because you can't get the life back. But we will we will do whatever it takes to make sure that it was not in vain. That all this bullshit nonsense, jab here, jab there, get your booster, you're not allowed to come back to work until you do the, the needle thing. You know, how about you make those people whole? If they if they took an experimental vaccine basically against their will because you held their job hostage, right? How about you pay for that shit? right? How about more than a job, more than a raise, right? How about a lump sum payout of some form or fashion where you go like out of your own goddamn pocket. I don't care if it's a GoFundMe thing that gets distributed wide, far and wide, right? How about you start some of that shit where all you people asking for amnesty, asking for forgiveness, not only apologize, but take responsibility and make it as good as you possibly can for as long as it fucking takes to make it right for those people you harmed, hurt, and persecuted for the better part of two and a half years. How about that, right? Fuck you and your amnesty. I ain't having it. Coming to me with that, and you likely, you know, I you likely to get stayed away. You you can keep your six feet of COVID distance from me. I don't want you anywhere near, and you shouldn't want to come around because you are not wanted anymore beg grovel come with some sort of restitution to make amends and maybe i'll look upon that and have mercy but aside from that go the fuck away keep your amnesty keep your apologies keep keep all that unless you're ready to make restitution to make good and make it right that's what we're owed the, those of us that stood for freedom, stood for liberty, stu- stood for, you know, the real scientific method of testing shit out and, oh, wait, maybe this, maybe we shouldn't be part of the experimentation, right? Maybe there are alternate theories that need to be tested and figured out as well. Maybe I don't want to take that. Maybe I don't need the goddamn booster, right? For those of us that did not let fear drive us in our decisions, right? How about we get rewarded for some of that? Not just you saying, well, it was weird times. It was weird for all of us, but we didn't fuck it up and we didn't fuck around. We maintained a code of morals and ethics that guided us. We stuck to our principles and our personal belief systems, right? You caved to the state. You caved 
to the quote unquote science, right? You gave, you gave up the ability to be with people like us with morals and principles and ethics and standing up for what we believe in and what eventually turned out to be right, right? You lost that privilege. And if you want it back, you better bring something with you that's worthy enough of getting it back. Don't come with nothing. Don't come begging for forgiveness. Don't come begging for amnesty. And a simple sorry, right, just doesn't fucking cut it to me. You got to do better than that. And now I'm going to move on. All right. Now that I've calmed down a bit, uh, this next one, I wish we had MC here for, but we do not. So I'm going to read it, and I'm going to learn along with you, listener, about what's going on with the goddamn crypto space and why things are amiss and maybe who the fuck Sam Bankman fried is. Uh, crypto kingpin bet a fortune on Democrats. Now he's lost it all. Sam Bankman-Fried's Washington campaign was bolstered by his emergence as a political megadonor. Crypto megadonor Sam Bankman-Fried helped bankroll Democrats over performance in the midterms. But any friends he may have had in Washington won't be there for him as his crumbling business empire threatens to torpedo the entire digital currency market. Bankman Fried's Washington influence, as well as billions of dollars of his personal wealth, nearly vanished in the span of 48 hours after it emerged that the giant crypto exchange he founded was insolvent and unable to meet customer withdrawals. State and federal regulators are now investigating the exchange, FTX, to determine whether it may have harmed clients or broken other financial regulations. An emergency rescue from competing digital asset exchange, Binance, fell apart after the company dug into FTX's financials and investigators circled. The crisis has demolished Bankman Fried's public image as a go-to resource for policymakers writing rules for crypto, a reputation that was built on his willingness to write multi-million dollar checks to boost Democrats. One Democratic congressional staffer who requested anonymity because they weren't authorized to speak publicly compared the collapse to seeing the man behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz. When Bankman Fried's razzle-dazzle performance for lawmakers and regulators amounting to smoke and mirrors. There are folks who are going there are folks who are going to feel burned by this whole episode, says Isaac Botansky, uh, director of policy research at the global financial services firm BTIG. This is a pretty big body blow for any industry that was just starting to get legs under it. The meltdown, arguably the most devastating in the history of crypto, is threatening to derail a broader industry lobbying campaign that had been getting traction with Republicans and Democrats eager to draft new laws to accommodate digital asset startups. Bankman Fried and his lobbyists, including former, former federal regulators, were at the center of the effort. It's also wreaking financial havoc across the crypto market, creating new headaches for FTX's competitors and other firms. Crypto executives and lobbyists are already distancing themselves from Bankman Fried. This is an absolute stunning turnaround from somebody who is the darling of Washington's policy circle, said Blockchain Associate Executive Director Kristen Smith. It was built on a house of cards. FTX's financial crunch came to light earlier this week after a series of events pointed to instability at the company. Crypto media outlet Coindesk on November 2nd published a report indicating that Almeida Research, a trading firm that's also owned by Bankman Fried, had propped up its balance sheets with billions of dollars in a highly illiquid digital token that had been issued by FTX. On Sunday, Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange and major FTX competitor, announced that it would dump its holdings in the token in light of the revelation. Customers raced to pull their funds from FTX, prompting the company to halt withdrawals, a move that trapped hundreds of millions of dollars worth of crypto on the exchange. Bankman Fried negotiated an emergency sale of the company to Binance and announced it Tuesday, but the deal fell apart by Wednesday afternoon. As a result of corporate due diligence, as well as the latest news reports regarding mishandling customer funds and alleged U.S. agency investigations, 
we have decided that we will not pursue the potential acquisition of FTX.com. Binance said in a Twitter post on Wednesday, FTX declined to comment. It all marked a complete reversal from the role Bankman Fried played earlier this year when his firms rescued other ailing startups doing another crypto crash. Bankman Fried's attempt to re- in recent months to portray FTX as the crypto world source of financial stability provided the 30-year-old an opportunity to make inroads with policymakers to whom he decried the industry's excesses as the company lobbied to shape a flurry of crypto bills and regulations. Every day that we don't get anything done on the crypto policy side, simultaneously customers are not protected, Bankman Fried said in an October interview. There is no preemptive cop on the beat, and also 95% of the industry is offshore because there are no clear guardrails in the United States. Bankman Fried's Washington campaign was bolstered by his emergence as a political mega-donor. He contributed more than $40 million to Democratic candidates and a network of super PACs that, prompted crypt, uh, that promoted crypto and public health policies. But even Beckman Fried's political aspirations proved wobbly in recent weeks. He angered progressive Democrats in October when he walked back plans to spend $1 billion on a races through 2024, saying in a political interview that his pledge was dumb quote on my part and that he didn't believe additional contributions would make an impact. Uh, Bankman-Fried is now facing intense scrutiny from regulators and lawmakers as his firms triggered a market-wide crypto crash that's also being felt on Wall Street. The digital asset manager, uh, d- the digital asset market's capitalization shrunk by nearly 20% since Monday, with the combined value of the world's major digital currencies sinking to about $800 billion. Bankman-Fried lost more than 90% of his $16 billion fortune in a matter of days, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. Robert Baldwin, head of policy at Association for Digital Asset Markets, an industry standard group that has been closely aligned with FTX, said the broader meltdown could lead to congressional hearings on crypto's potential risk to the financial system and to consumers. I don't think there's going to be as big of a seat at the table for the industry, he said. Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler, who had warned the unregulated digital asset industry is a threat to consumers, said at a conference Wednesday that too many good folks are getting hurt. Gensler, who has been villainized by crypto advocates, may find himself vindicated in light of the FTX debacle. It's a wild west with a lack of disclosure, a lot of leverage, and a lot of interconnectedness, Gensler said. It's like Jenga blocks all built up, and as each block gets pulled out, it topples a bit. Other industry figures, including Circle CEO Jeremy Allaire and Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong, have sought to calm markets by issuing statements indicating they have limited exposure to the Bahamas-based FTX and Alameda. We are incorporated in the U.S. and publicly listed in the U.S. because we believe that transparency and trust are so important, Armstrong said on Twitter Tuesday. Crypto critics are urging lawmakers to tread lightly with industry power brokers. This is what happens when instead of doing a robust public interest policy, you hitch your wagon to a charismatic founder types who make a lot of promises they can't ultimately deliver on, said Americans for Financial Reform senior policy analyst Mark Hayes. Sam may want to be one of the biggest and clearest examples of that kind of hubristic figure, but there have been many before him and will likely be many after him. End of the article there. I mean, sure, this is another warning sign, but really, you know, what did you expect from the beginning of you know the bitcoin thing it's been a little like the wild west a little risky wild west and a little risky um and i kind of think that's that's how we liked it right they've uh, i've i'm on record again saying this a number of times but they pitched it to us you know the libertarians the anarchists out there they said look get out of the state get out of the federal reserve get out of government money here is the alternative and you can use this bitcoin thing and i'm listening to some older podcasts and it's you know like you can pay with bitcoins because people had multiple of them at the time right you had hundreds of thousands of bitcoins and only, only cost you a couple of bucks now look at you um but it was it was a way for us to get away from the federal reserve to stop using dollars to stop using federal reserve notes and it could have it could have ended there Right? Like, who cares what the valuation was if we had a network of people trading amongst themselves 
using this digital currency, this token of whatever, instead of Federal Reserve notes and just get out of that system. What a, what a beautiful thing that would have been. Ah, uh, but it was not to be. Because as it grew, so, call, so, so did the call uh, for regulation. For the government to step in, for the government to say like, no, 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 within this space, this is what you are allowed to do and what you are not allowed to do. And so the exchanges were formed and created with that in mind, with, with the, you know, with the government permission slip in hand. And I, you know, and for me, you know, I, I don't, I think I might be on one exchange somewhere sometime in the past, but with like zero transactions, right? Like I, I signed up and then went, nope, not, you know, not for me. I, I prefer the face to face. I prefer having my own private keys and, you know, lesson learned on that, not from an exchange, but like, don't even, don't even trust a significant other with your keys, right? You may not get them back. And so, you know, not your keys, not your coin, not your coin. Sounds cliche. Um, but look at this, right? Look, look, at look at this, what happens with the bank run. And the, you know, the, the other thing with this nonsense is, is it's not really any different uh, than, than, than a, a run on the actual banks, right? Every local bank is insolvent. None of them, none of them have the reserves necessary if everyone went to withdraw their money. But no one makes the, the article doesn't make that comparison. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you that. And this is the way that all the banks operate. This is, this is normal business, you know, in, in the crony capitalist marketplace we have today. Where are all the funds? Not at the bank incremented digitally in the computer system okay fine right but when you come asking for it where is it they don't have it and so the you know i'm not i'm not making excuses for the crypto space i'm more pointing out the unfortunate facts that the crypto exchanges have turned into what they were supposed to uh counter right and that's the federal reserve banking system right there can only be so much cryptocurrency depending on what, you know, Bitcoin or whatever. And because it's traced digitally, you know exactly who has what that can be audited at any time until it wasn't, until the exchanges come along and pulled it and increment, incremented on your account, right? Your, your account within their system that isn't tied to any particular crypto or coin or token, right? Just what, what they say they have in store for you, go figure that they can fudge those numbers, right? And go figure that, uh, what did, the, what the, what did the, the guy call at the end of the card? All this interconnectedness, right, would lead to problems, right? We, we, we've talked about this on this show before, again, even with my limited understanding, right? There's, there's, it. I recognize that it's happened before, you know, now Binance pulls out of a token because, Hey, it's over leveraged. And what does that do? Right. The, every, now everyone wants out before they lose their money in it. And what does the exchange do? It shuts it down. So you can't get your money out. Why? Cause they don't have enough. They don't have enough to give it back to everybody. And I don't know who this bankman fried or bankman freed or whatever this dude, you know, I've never heard of him before this week um, because I don't care about the exchanges. I don't care about like the next best thing, you know, just, just get, just give me the wallet and give me the keys, right? More important than the wallet. Give me the keys, give me the keys and I will transfer that to whatever wallet I trust uh, in the future. If any at all, just give that to me. And if I need to cash out, I don't, I, I need not go to an exchange. Uh, I just need to find people locally, luckily within a community of people that do this sort of thing, someone locally willing to buy some off of me because they believe it. Right. I'm, I'm a long-term hodler, uh, in mindset. Right. But sometimes expenses come up and you gotta, you gotta dip into the old savings to cover something or whatever. And, you know, 
And so crypto gets sold here and there. And I, and I don't begrudge. I know I use that term a lot on this. Or I don't begrudge anybody for selling off their, their crypto if, if you need to. Um, I mean, that's what it's there for. That's why you invested it, right? You, you invested it so you'd have more later. And if, and, and if you can hold on to that until you don't have to exchange it, right, for other currency, and you can just exchange it for goods and services, even better, right? That, the, the, the old matrix meme. All right, are you saying that at some point I can cash this out for a million dollars? No, Neil, what I'm telling you is when the time comes, you won't need to, right? We'll, we'll just transact in the cryptocurrency. Already do. Owe somebody money? What, what do you take, good sir? I have Bitcoin, Bitcoin cash, and whatever, the Monero, whatever. What is your preference? We can do it like that because that's the way it should be, right? Friend comes over to help out. You know, someone, someone does some work for you. Some housework, some yard work, whatever it happens to be. Pay them in crypto if they'll take it. And then you needn't worry about what's on the exchange, how much you have on the exchange, what you can do with it. One of the one of the things that I heard on uh, a recent podcast that I, I usually don't align with politically, uh, well, I don't align with politically, at least, um, but one of the, the you know prevailing things that they said was, uh, scams prey on the greed of the victim. That's it, right? Con, con artists use your greed to take advantage of you. So you want to get rich in crypto? You want to you want to be a day trader? You want to watch those green candlesticks go up? You want to watch those those curves move on the on whatever? Aha! Uh-huh. Getting greedy, right? Investment one thing, day trading is inherently more risky. Because you got to be there. You got eyes on, right? The wall of monitors watching the crypto market at all times of the day to make your moves here and there, hither and yon, right? Got to be ready to make that trade. Well, in order to make those trades that quickly, you got to be on the exchanges. And the exchanges know why you're there. The quick buck, the get rich quick. You're, you're, not, you're not there for the long-term investment, you know? Set it, forget it. Talk to me in five years, right? I don't even want to look at the price if I don't have to. I don't even want to hear about the price if I don't have to. Price is going up. Oh, my goodness. What should I do? Buy more Bitcoin. Price is going down. Oh, my God. What should I do? Well, now it's on sale. Buy more Bitcoin, right? Get on the exchange. Make your purchase if you have to. Get the fuck off the exchange. You needn't leave it there for multiple trades throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, whatever. Just get in, get out, get what you want and get it back into a wallet where you control the keys and you needn't worry about charismatic asshats like Sam Bankman freed or fried or whatever the fuck his name is, you know, scamming you, right? Lost 90% of his wealth overnight. Well, maybe what's he hiding? Where is he hiding it? Right. If he's, if he's that insolvent and he knew it, right. The guy at the top of the pyramid scheme, the top of the Ponzi scheme, he's got something somewhere that you're not aware of. He is not a victim in all of this. He's the perpetrator. And so when they say he lost 90% of his wealth, number one, I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad at all. But I also don't believe it. You know, you don't, you don't create the pyramid scheme. You don't, you don't uh, surreptitiously fund other things with tokens you control, right, to, to boost up the numbers on that thing, knowing that you're leveraged by a competitor, right, that a, that a competitor has significant holdings in that token. You don't do that if you don't have your own personal parachute, safety net, whatever you want to call it, stashed neatly away, right? That bag of money is buried somewhere. That pirate will come back for it after he serves whatever prison sentence or whatever financial disaster he he goes through he'll be fine but you the greedy one who just wanted to leave it on the exchange to make to make a little bit more day trading and you lost something and just like i said with the first article should there be some restitutions absolutely maybe depends were you defrauded were you knowingly defrauded you know to, to what extent to what extent was a fraud committed and to what extent was just this, just a risk of doing business this way, right? 
like I said, this is this is no this is not necessarily any different than how the regular banks work. They're insolvent. They don't have enough. What they don't count on is a bank run at this point, and with good reason. But if there ever were, oh my goodness, we'd be talking about that too. Um, it should be a little bit different in the crypto sphere because hey, if you're if you're mining the token, right, and and people are able to verify exactly how many of those tokens are in existence and your accounts show people are holding more than the tokens in, the, in existence. Well, you sir have a problem, right? Now there's fraud. And how do you make up for that? I don't know. Go get them, go figure it out. But this whole, th- this whole thing blew up online in the crypto space. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And why are people surprised? Right? Other articles, Mount Gox finally, finally paying back after well, like over a decade of scamming people, you know, over a decade having been caught scamming people, people are finally starting to figure out how to get their, their money back from Mount Gox. Good luck, right? So some of it, if you're, you know, if, if you're day trading on the exchange at this point, again, I, I respect that there could be fraud involved, but I am much less sympathetic than I was early on, right? Because now, now you, now, if you're doing that, you should understand the risk involved, right? And the, oh my gosh, there's less guardrails. You know, there's, there's less guardrails in America. It's the, it's the fucking wild west out here. You know, one of, one of the things that prevented me and stopped me from becoming a fucking crypto billionaire, uh, was a $40 charge to wire money to Europe, Right. That's, that's how you, I had like the beta fucking software running on a netbook, right? One, one wallet address. Who knew what the fuck that was? And they said, okay, wire some money to Europe. And in a couple of days, bing, you will have some Bitcoins in your account, in your wallet. That was sketchy, right? I had friends who lost money on the original Silk Road buying drugs. That was sketchy, Right? There were risks early on, much like there are risks now, uh, but the risks now seem to be more apparent, right? We, we've, we've been around long enough where we can identify what appears to be, what doesn't pass the sniff test, what appears to be a scam in some form or fashion. New token IPOs or ICOs, well, maybe. What does it do that can't already be done? And why is that important to me, right? More tokens, more shit being launched on the exchanges, more exchanges popping up, you know, to do it. One of the lost exchanges was a local Bitcoin, right? Face-to-face transactions. You meet me at the designated spot and you bring your stack of Federal Reserve notes and I, sir, will hand you Bitcoin and vice versa. No, 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 you got to know your customer. Regulations dictate that we collect all the data on all the people involved in this transaction way to kill it way way to way to make it a part of what we were fighting against i don't want to integrate into the banking system i don't want to integrate into the federal reserve system i don't want it run like the traditional bank no i just want to be able to buy and sell and trade bitcoin for goods and services i do a job you pay me in crypto I need some bread. I buy for it in crypto, right? It need not be complicated and it need not be for everybody. I don't care about wide adoption. I don't care if grandma and grandpa ever learn how to use a Bitcoin wallet. This shit is not for them. For the sons, for the grandsons and beyond, maybe, right? Maybe they can, maybe they'll be able to teach me how to figure it out. But I am a naturally skeptical curmudgeon asshole and I will call out the bullshit when I smell it. And so they will have a hard time convincing me that I need to get on the exchange in order to really make a killing in this. Well, then maybe making a killing isn't for me. Maybe just trading for goods and services. It's good enough for me. Guess what? Moving on. Uh, I think I've used this source before. The Of Two of Minds, Of Two Minds blog. Um not the greatest source, but I like the headline, especially since we just went through uh, election week. Did you vote on Tuesday? Did you have a sticker? Do I give a fuck? Is anything going to change in my life? Except for maybe like the cost of goods and services. 
more more reason to forego uh some vanity in life you know some 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 luxury goods even though i just spent some money on some luxury goods and get into crypto right if the if the if consumer prices are going up well maybe it's time you know to 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 not buy all that crap not buy all that consumer goods and start thinking about how to maximize the value of your dwindling dollar stop spending it on crap starting putting it in the crypto world so you can afford something later that that might be the only thing that changes for me post election i only found out who won the governor's race here in new hampshire because i glanced down at a newspaper while cleaning the banks i went oh okay apparently still the guy and a coworker complained about maggie hassan which is which i know it's pronounced incorrectly but why the fuck doesn't anybody do that just call her by the wrong name sounds nefarious right and you want you want you want some political dirt slinging maggie hassan right who's who's gonna vote for that apparently a lot of people because no one was willing to pronounce it wrong but i digress uh the elections the elections meant nothing to me i didn't do shit uh i went to work did my thing as usual made some money bought some stuff and i will continue on my life as if none of those people matter as much as i possibly can regardless of who's elected imperial corruption rules the nation but in the meantime enjoy the political theatrics down to the sand strewn floor of the coliseum while the much touted differences between america's political parties get obsessive hysterical attention the sameness of imperial corruption waste and squalor regardless of who's in power gets little notice scrape scrape away the differences mostly in domestic issues and we see the dead hand of imperial corruption is on the tiller the core of imperial corruption is the disconnect between the nation's ideals of representational democracy and open markets and the sordid reality elites serve their interests by corrupting both democracy and open markets Unfettered democracy and markets cannot be controlled by a tiny self-serving elite. Stripped of corruption, democracy and markets are free for alls that are constantly evolving. As highly adaptive islands of coherence coalesce that influence the quasi-chaos competing with other islands of coherence, but never gaining dominance due to the open-ended dynamism of collaboration competition that is the beating heart of of both democracy and open markets the only way to control democracy and markets to serve the interests of the few at the expense of the many is to corrupt them completely by destroying the dynamism of collaboration competition democracy is replaced by an auction of political power to the highest bidder that rewards cronies and devotes all its resources not to solving the nation's problems but to whipping up conflagrations of divisiveness and partisan hysteria that wash away the middle ground where problem can actually be addressed. This crippling of the nation's ability to actually solve difficult problems serve the interests of the self-serving elites, whose sole interest is accumulating personal wealth and power. Their proclaimed interest in solving the nation's real-world real world problems are fraudulent tissues designed to hide the putrid reality that all their so-called solutions distilled down to slicing huge sums of state money to cronies and campaign contributors under the guise of solving problems. The only problem America's elites know how to solve is their problem of how to get personally richer while tightening their control of the nation state's vast flood of taxed borrowed money. Cronies and contributors get tax breaks hidden in thousand-page legislation and overflowing rivers of money. Here's looking at you, big pharma, big defense, higher education, sick care, et al. America's elites are masters at misdirection and distraction. It's always the other side's fault that the nation is sliding down the wrong side of the S-curve. The elites don't really care which side is in power as they control them both to serve their own interests. But something funny happens on the way to gaining control of the complex emerging system 
That control destroys the system's self-correcting mechanisms and adaptability. Rigging the system to serve one's own interest interests destroys the system's ability to adapt to changing circumstances and selective pressures. Once a system has been crippled to serve the interest of an elite, when forced to adapt or die, it can only die as its mechanisms of adaptation were destroyed by the power grabs of elites. An, an, an economy dominated by a handful of cartels and quasi-monopolies is an, econ- is an economy that is doomed to slide into the dustbin of history. As cartels and monopolies win by crushing, crushing competition and competing islands of coherence, as competition threatens their profits and control of markets and governance, a.k.a. democracy, any system that serves the interests of the few by choking off the adaptability and the dynamisms of a free-for-all, churn lacks the tools needed to avoid systematic collapse. By enabling elites to organize the nation to serve their personal interests, America has become stripped of the dynamics needed to adapt. Without these dynamics, collapse is the only possible outcome. But in the meantime, enjoy the political theatrics down to the sand-strewn floors of the Colosseum, while imperial corruption undermines what's left of the nation's ability to adapt fast enough and successfully enough to survive what lies ahead, we can cheer the winners of the blood sport and ignore the wins of disorder sweeping the land. End of the article. Short one, uh, but, you know, make, get, gets to the point. You know, if, if you voted on Tuesday, what did you actually accomplish? What is, what is going to change for you? Did you have an aha moment, right? You know, dur- during the, the 2000 election for, uh, you know, sniffer-in-chief Biden, right, the, the people that I talked to were like, well, I've, I voted for him uh, because he's going to, you know, re- he's going to cancel my student loans. And then he somewhat followed through on that and said, ah, okay, you know, 10000 here, 20000 there, yeah, whatever. Oh, my God, look at that. He's actually doing it. And they ride that wave through the midterm, and then like what? Two days later, yesterday, article comes out and says like, "Well, that whole like you know, uh, that that whole uh, 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 tuition, uh, you know, re- reduction, whatever the tuition reduction act, uh, unconstitutional, can't be done, not allowed to do it, not happening. You know, pay your pay your bills, uh, you dirty defaultees." How, how quickly the tides have changed once they get what they want from you. The concern amongst the right, they didn't get the big red wave they expected. Apparently millennials and Gen Zs and whatever those people are called are, are actually turning out to vote all of a sudden. So the collapse is upon us, right? If, if they lean socialist and communist and, and vote accordingly, right? Then it's all downhill from there if they're gonna, if they're going to be the ones in power, for people who love free freedom, for people who love liberty, not Republicans, not conservatives, not people on the right, but freedom lovers, people who love freedom, people who love liberty, right? It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to survive unfettered in that world, uh, surrounded by communists and socialists and fascists and you know and the totalitarian authoritarian government. Like we will have to find a way to come together uh, or surely, you know, like botching the quote here, uh, we will all hang separately and we all hang together. We can all hang separately. I don't want to hang separately. And unfortunately for myself, I don't want to hang with a lot of you to begin with. You know, my, my, my social circle narrows by the day. Uh, the, you know, the, the more I get to know someone, the less I really like them. It's, a, it's an unfortunate character flaw of my own devices, um, but it is what it is. You know, my, my, my tolerance grows thin. You know, as, a, as I said in the beginning with the, uh, the pandemic amnesty article, right, don't come near me. You know, I, I, will, I will be a circle of one hanging alone if that's, if that's what ethics and morality dictates. Um, but I don't want I don't want to live in the world uh, where where corruption is unfettered, right? You know, 
I don't care what the election said, but there are, there are already calls, you know, of election malfeasance. Articles abound about corruption and fraud. You know, I go, yeah. What what the fuck did you expect, right? Why are you still participating in that nonsense? Why are you still propping up democracy? You know, I had some private conversations recently about, you know, the, the pipeline to the alt-right, the, you know, from libertarian to alt-right. How does that thing develop? Right? I go like, well, the fucking pipeline runs through Triple H himself, Hans Hermann Hoppe, right? You pick up the book, Democracy, the God That Failed, right? And if you were Rothbardian before, if you were like, oh, yeah, fucking Rothbard, that's, that's my dog. At some point, you go like, well, what's the practical application of Rothbardian ethics? And you pick up Democracy, the God That Failed, and you read a little bit of Hans Hermann Hoppe, and you go like, oh, I guess that is how it's going to be done. And you find yourself radicalized yet again. Uh, I myself, you know, am immune to that sort of radicalization because I'm, I'm a, a cut above, as it were. But that's where it is, right? The, the, the imperial corruption rules the nation. I'm not surprised at fraud. I'm not surprised, you know, at the, at the rise of the socialists, you know, communists, millennials, and Gen Zs. I'm not surprised. Um, but if we are going to insulate ourselves from that corruption, from that fraud, from that lifestyle that they will foist upon us through the democratic process, uh, then we are going to fi- have to find a way to live in peace together but separate from them. That is all I got for this week. Thank you very much for listening. You know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash the anarchist experience. And if you would like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.